0: Always do it on my own, so I gotta get through it. And the only thing I know is to love what I'm doing. Never give up, never slow, till I finally prove it. Never listen to the nose. I just wanna keep moving. Keep my head up when I act. Head up, that's a fact. Never looking back, I'ma keep myself on track. Keep my head up, staying strong. Always moving on. Feel I don't
1: believe Today, we are talking with Mitch Stewart with the Roanoke really are dogs how are you sir
0: i'm doing great joshua how are you doing today
1: doing very good very good happy to have you on
0: yeah thank you for having me on i i feel bad there it was so crazy there at the end of the season and i know that you had asked me to come on and i was like i just needed a little more time a little more time and now that we finally wrap the season up i'm i'm happy to come on thanks for inviting me
1: Absolutely. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into uh, hockey?
0: Yeah, so I I grew up here in, in Botetourt County, went to Lower Botetourt High School, graduated there in 2016, and I had kind of always wanted to go the route of sports broadcasting, kind of whatever it ended up being. I mean, maybe not like underwater basket weaving or something like that, but uh, went to Penn State, graduated there in 2020 with a degree in broadcast journalism, and got to call a whole lot of different sports there, football, basketball, baseball, softball, hockey, I mean, you name it, um, I got a chance to, to broadcast it. And unfortunately, my senior year was cut short by the, the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, so that kind of displaced me back home for a little bit. I was doing some serving, and that became bartending, and then I was doing a work from home, marketing job for a local real estate group, and just kind of waiting for, for the sports to come back and, and waiting for them to come back up. And again, you know, I, I just was really passionate about a lot of different sports. So I was just ready to to jump in kind of, you know, wherever the opportunity presented itself. And I was, I was really lucky that the Rono job not only became available uh, right here in my own backyard, here in my own hometown, but that they took the chance on me and I was definitely a little rusty um, coming out of a year and a half or so between the last broadcast that I had and an opening night for the Rail Yard Dogs uh, this past fall. But that's kind of how that that all came together was, you know, just kind of biding my time, waiting for that first professional opportunity to open up where – Sports and a lot of places, especially minor league sports, weren't playing uh, throughout uh, that that pandemic season, so to speak, that 2020 into the start of 2021. So, yeah, just definitely really fortunate, uh, really happy to be uh, where I was at this past season. And we had a heck of a run for, for my rookie year, for sure.
1: That's very cool. Um, so, I know a little bit about hockey, but I don't know a whole lot. Uh, but can you tell us about the team? Because I, I, I know way back in the day it used to be. Uh, oh, man, I can't think of the name of it now. The Roanoke Express. The team that we had prior. Yeah. That's. Um, so. What would you say is different between. What we had, you know, when I was a teenager uh, versus what we have now and and um you know what makes a good hockey team would you say
0: yeah so I I guess to start with that one I, kind of going off your own experience I didn't know a whole lot about hockey I, I really got into the sport late in high school and started watching the capitals and then of course when I went up north to school in Pennsylvania you're kind of in a hockey hotbed there so I had to learn quick and, and get up to speed quick and you know fortunately i'm you know really into sports so it it didn't take me too long to kind of catch on and and really kind of get hooked on the sport as far as uh you know my my other knowledge of it i mean i i grew up on the express until i was about seven or eight and that's when the team left so that was kind of the reason behind maybe a little bit of my lack of knowledge was just not having that local team here to really you know keep me on top of it, keep me going to games and, and super interested in it at a young age. The, the only difference really, I think uh, from the express back then, and the rail yard dogs now is there is just one league difference. So kind of the structure of hockey in the United States and and up into Canada, as far as where it overlaps at these levels. Um, You have the NHL, of course, which is the top league triple a level is the AHL. So there's a team um, or not anymore there used to be a team in Norfolk that was in the AHL there's I think the closest one to us is probably Charlotte at this point so that's like AAA. a a lot of guys will play in the NHL and AHL during the season and bounce up and down and then that double a level is where the Express used to be the East Coast Hockey League is it's the ECHL so Norfolk plays in that league now um, you've got like Greenville South Carolina um, so a couple teams that are up and down the East Coast but there's Actually, I think they're expanding to 28 teams this year. So that league's growing and almost has just as many teams as the NHL. And that is where the direct affiliation to the NHL stops. So NHL goes to AHL, AHL goes to ECHL, and all those players are technically connected through the parent team, that NHL team system, just like how the Salem Red Sox are connected to the Boston Red Sox from single A all the way up to the majors. Uh, The SPHL – is kind of what I would probably equate it to if you're looking at like a baseball minor league, maybe a more familiar system to some other fans or or sports fans. It's like high A, uh, high A hockey. So we had a lot of guys this year. I'd say about half our team spent some sort of time at the ECHL level. Um, There were guys that have played here in the past that have, I, I think a couple of them have even gotten some AHL minutes here and there. And this year was pretty wild still with the amount of movement between all the teams because there were still a lot of COVID regulations in place where, you know, there's an outbreak on an NHL team. They're calling six guys up from the AHL. Well, that creates a domino effect all the way down to us where, you know, the, the AHL has got to call up their coast guys. And then the ECHL has to call up our, our players. So uh, that was pretty cool uh, to kind of see that from, from this perspective, how the dominoes can fall. And, you know, even if it's not, the Washington Capitals playing at the Berglund Center. It it's still a really high level of hockey, and and it call, it kind of is all intertwined um, throughout the levels. I would say what makes a good hockey team, and and kind of maybe what makes the sport different than a lot of other sports that I can think of is it's really not just like a star dominated sport. Um, it's very quick, even if you're the the best, highest scoring forward on your team, you might play a third of the game with the way that the shit changes work in um, your time on the ice and, and everything like that. So it, depth really matters. Every single player on the team is just import, as important as the guy next to him, whether you're playing 10 or 12 minutes or whether you're one of those guys that's playing 20 plus minutes and scoring um, a lot of the goals. it It's a really role-based sport and, you know there are other sports like that. You know, like football. If you're a left tackle, you're protecting the quarterback's blind side. If you're a receiver, you're just catching passes, um, and you kind of got your defined role. But hockey's so fluid where it it's not that defined. You know, everyone's got to get back and dive to block shots, and you know, land hits, and and be able to go through that physical grind of a season that the sport kind of brings to the table. So I think that's what makes a good team is you have to have a very close knit group and you have to have everyone willing to buy into that team aspect, because as much as any sport that I personally grew up playing, or really maybe grew up watching a bit more often than I would say than, than hockey until my later years um, recently, I, I think it is much more team driven, much more team centric than, than a lot of other sports out there.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and I, I kind of see that where you you definitely have to work as a team and the, you know, that that's always a good um so as far as the season goes, um I I wasn't able to keep up with a lot of it, but um I did see, you know, towards towards the middle to the end that you guys were doing really well. And then I was, of course, sad to see that you guys didn't didn't win the championship. But, you know, there's always next year, and you made it that far. So, I mean, that's great.
0: Yeah. It, it was really awesome for the team to have this run. There's 11 teams in the professional hockey league, and Roanoke got the eighth and final playoff spot. That wasn't really indicative of their talent. They played one of the toughest schedules. If you look back at who finished the highest in the regular season how many times Roanoke played them versus those bottom teams that they made the playoffs ahead of. So the unfortunate thing was, is that their seed was a little bit lower. And, you know, maybe it was a bit more frustrating to see them lose some games during the regular season and maybe not have quite as a pristine record, but it battle tested them. And at the end of the year, they, they knock off the regular, champions, the number one seed who had just set a league record for the most wins ever in a regular season. Then they swept the second seeded team And they made the President's Cup uh, finals, the championship series, for the first time in franchise history. And again, this is only their fifth season of existence. Uh, 2016 17 was the first year. And we didn't even get to play last year. You know, we we were um, worried about making sure we could keep hockey here. And uh, that was never really in doubt. But I know a lot of the fans were worried because, you know, they, they know how it felt when the Express left. And our, our ownership and our organization did such a great job of, of keeping that intact. And then our head coach, Jan Bremner, was awesome at making sure that a lot of the familiar faces from the, the prior uh, season that was halted by COVID came back even after that long uh, year plus away from Roanoke. And that's kind of what gave the team that core where, you know, even if they didn't have as many regular season wins as they wanted or even throughout the roller coaster of the year, they all banded together. Right at the perfect time, and if you look back at our season since since we've been in the league, um, first year we didn't make the playoffs, the second year we did, the third year we make it into the second round, so we make it to the semis. Uh, the COVID year, there was no postseason because of the pandemic, and now we make the finals. So each year that there's been a postseason we've made it one step farther. So if we're we're talking patterns here, we're kind of thinking it's our year already next year, you know, maybe this time around uh, next May, we'll be talking about, um, you know, a championship parade or or lifting the the president's cup trophy. But yeah, it was, it was really special to see uh, not only the team come together, but the fans. I mean, we, we had a combined 8,000 people, on the Monday and Tuesday that we hosted the president's cup final games, game three and four. So it was like 4,500 on a Monday night, 3,500 on a Tuesday night. That Monday night game was more fans at game three in Roanoke. than there were out in Peoria for games one and two of that championship series on a Thursday and Friday night combined. So one night on a Monday, we had more fans than our opponent on a Thursday and Friday night, uh, back in Illinois. And that's a team that has had hockey, uh, for just as long, if not longer, than Roanoke as far as their hockey history. I think they were celebrating their 40th year uh, of professional hockey in Peoria, Illinois. So that just speaks uh, to how passionate uh, the people around Roanoke um, were already about hockey, you know, as, as we got the season back and, and before the, the team even existed. But as the, the season went along and that, that postseason run heated up, people really got behind this team. And I, I think that the guys fed off of it for
1: sure. Yeah, it sounds like and it, and you're right. It sounds like you guys are on an uptrend, getting better every year, which is what you look for. Uh it what no matter what you do, you know, but that's that's really amazing considering, you know, you guys were dealing with COVID last year. You know, hopefully next year's the one. Um, now we were you were talking about you know, some of the I don't really know exactly like the, the, the sister uh teams kind of like uh you touched on the uh uh Salem Red Sox. Who who is the the team above you guys that is associated with the rail dogs?
0: So I think um that's, that was what I was talking about as far as the biggest difference between the league that the Express used to play in um, and the league that the Rail Yard Dogs play in now. Um, those top three levels, so the NHL, the AHL, ECHL, they are directly affiliated. So like the Norfolk Admirals have an AHL affiliate and that AHL affiliate is affiliated to an NHL team. We are the top minor league that does not have a direct affiliation, and I, I, that's due to a, a few different things. Gotcha. Um, I, think, I think part of it is, you know, there's only eleven teams um, in the in the Southern Professional Hockey League, and it's been growing. Uh, Roanoke, uh, when they came into the league, I think they were the ninth team at the time. There's two more that have followed just in the past couple of years. So hopefully, they can continue to to grow the league and and bring in more teams and. Um, that will just make it more fun for the fans, uh, as far as more parody, more teams involved, more cities. And so there there isn't a direct affiliation as far as Roanoke and of or below. there There's another league below Roanoke, the Federal Prospects Hockey League, which there's a team in Winston-Salem, the Carolina Thunderbirds, probably the closest to Roanoke. So a lot of times, like throughout the season for us, we would, earlier in the year, if we had guys get called up, you know, we're looking at Carolina, we're looking at those uh, FPHL teams, kind of in that low single A league. And we're trying to see who we can poach, who we can pick up uh, to kind of bolster us up and maybe, maybe even find someone that that sticks around for the long haul uh, throughout the season. And, you know, as far as our players, and I already talked about, we had a lot of guys get called up uh, this year and spend, spend significant time up in the ECHL, but they were all over the place. So we had one player who we had his rights all year, but he didn't actually debut for Roanoke this season until March because he was playing with the Utah Grizzlies out in Salt Lake city all season in the ECHL, a team that's still alive um, in the playoffs in the ECHL. We had a couple of guys in Norfolk, a couple of guys in in Charleston with the South Carolina Stingrays. Um, and, And then one or two here and there, Adirondack in New York, uh, the Idaho Steelheads, Boise. So that's kind of the cool thing about Roanoke not being affiliated is we'll, we'll send a lot of guys, to a whole lot of different places. And then, you know, when they eventually do come back down, if they do get sent back down uh, to Roanoke, they kind of bring all these different things that they've learned from these different teams. And it, it kind of, I, I think it, it's kind of really um, unique about this league that you have that because, you know, that's one thing with baseball. Like, the Red Sox are the Red Sox unless you get traded. Like, you're going to Salem, and then you know you're working your way up. You get to Triple A, you're in Worcester, and then you're in Boston. But it's it's the same organizational structure, um, all the way down. Where you know the SPHL, whatever team that you're playing with, um, you know you could be playing with five or six other guys that have played in the ECHL the same season as you, and you're kind of all bringing different experiences. Um, to the table. So I think that's really cool. But as far as a direct sister team, um, that doesn't really kind of exist. Although there are maybe a few teams that maybe have been more commonplace for a team to, or for a player to either call it up to, or for maybe Roanoke to go and search for a player for, uh, to bring up.
1: That's very cool. Um, So as far as the, the team overall, um, I'm not really familiar who, who's on the team, but um, do you have any star players that kind of stand out from this past season?
0: Yeah, uh, for sure. There's a couple of guys going off of the core from, you know, the first few years of the franchise before COVID halted the season. Um, you know, Travis Armstrong was the original uh, expansion draft pick for Roanoke, the number one pick that Roanoke took. Um, in the 2016 expansion draft when they came into the league. And then, you know, Jeff Jones, who has been an Ironman since he's been in Roanoke, never missed a game, which is nuts. He played three years here. He's never missed a game um, and is the all time leading goal scorer and point man in franchise history. We had a player this year, Mac Jansen, who's been around for three seasons. He was, he made the league's all second team and had a 60 point year, which was awesome. He was, I think, fifth in the SPHL in points and top five or six in goals on the year um and then you know Brant Sherwood Josh and all the other two captains that came back and Josh and is one of those heart and soul guys he's a glue guy for the team he's he's hitting everything in sight you hear him before you see him and uh he's he's the one that's dropping the gloves and gets the fans on their feet every now and then with with some rough housing and physicality and Brant Sherwood's kind of a blend of all of it you know he's he's a uh Beloved fan favorite, he can give you some scoring here, can give you a little nastiness here, um, and and he's got a heck of a personality. So that that was kind of the old core, and then if you look at you know this year some of the newer guys, we had a, a player Nick Ford who had a natural hat trick, which is when you score three consecutive goals by yourself, so not just a hat trick, but a natural hat trick in less than six minutes. Um, during a President's Cup final game and a lot of other rookies that came in that, that really made a big impact. So hopefully we can retain a few of the returning players that have been here a few years and then also get some of the guys that maybe came into the fold just this past season or later in the season, uh, some of the, the rookies coming out of college. Hopefully we can get them to come back and, and keep things pretty pretty tightened up and strong
1: heading into next year. So when it comes down to... Picking a good hockey player, is there, is there any insight you have on that? Um, You said as far as picking a good hockey player? Yeah, like if you were to want to bring somebody on the team, are, are there cer- certain things that they look for?
0: Yeah, so I, I guess going back to my earlier answer um, – it is definitely a a roles driven sport. And, you know, even though everybody's got to do a little bit of everything, you know, everybody's got to, you know, back check, which is, you know, getting back on defense, hustle back, you got to block shots. Um, You know, you gotta, you gotta lay hits, protect the puck, you know, all the simple stuff everybody's got to be able to do. But um, I guess if you kind of look at our team makeup, there definitely are kind of some defined roles there's, looking kind of at the, the core that we brought back from before the COVID season, our, our five captains, uh, captain Travis Armstrong was the original dog as people call him. He was our initial draft pick um, when we expanded into the SPHL and the expansion draft in 2016. And you know, he's, he's six foot five and he packs a heavy hit for sure. Gets gets a good amount of penalties, but he's kind of the enforcer. So that, that's part of it. At the same time, he had a 40-point season this year, which was top five in the league among defensemen. Uh, so he he could do it at both ends. And then we had two of our more prolific scorers we're, were alternate captains. We had Jeff Jones, who never missed a single game in the three seasons that he's played for Roanoke so far, regular season or playoffs. Um, he's the all-time leading goal scorer, all-time point man, and – um. He's a goal scorer, but he, he's not necessarily the pretty goal scorer. He's the guy that's hanging around the net, uh, cleaning up all the all the laundry that hangs out around the crease. He's gonna, you know, bang those loose pucks home and and you know set up the offense himself. Gets a lot of assists and is just a very smart player and kind of have more of the sharpshooter in, in Mac Jansen, who's the other alternate captain as far as out of those two, you know, high production guys from a numbers perspective. Mac was second team all league this year. He was. Uh, top five in the league in goals and had a 60-point season, which was top five in the SBHL as well. So you you have those two guys kind of fit in that role. And then you have two guys that I think maybe fit some of the more interesting roles on the team this year. Uh, Josh all uh, is another alternate captain. And he's not going to maybe blow you away on the stat sheet, but you can hear him before you can see him at the time because he lands bone-crunching hits. He's the guy that's, you know – Hustling all game long, and even though he might not be getting the five or six shots on goal or the two goals in a game, he makes such a big impact with the literal fear that he strikes into opponents because he is probably one of the hardest hitters that I saw throughout the league this year, and he's not afraid to drop the gloves with you either and and give you a pummeling if, if that's what the situation calls for and then brent sherwood is is interesting because he kind of reminds me of a bit of a blend uh, of all for those guys. He he brings you that leadership and he's got this really hilarious magnetic personality uh, that people are driven to uh, puts up enough numbers where he, he comes to moments. He had a game winning um during Roanoke's uh, president's cup uh, playoff finals series. He had the game winner in game three when, when Roanoke won that series, but um, he's not afraid to get chippy with you and get mouthy with you and try to get in your head um, or, you know, drop the gloves if need be either. So, you know, kind of knowing your roles and and knowing how you can best contribute to the team, I think, is how you can be really a a great hockey player. If you look at two of the guys that were new to the team this year um, that brought completely different things to the table but were just as important as one another. Nick Ford was in the ECHL most of the season, was playing with his pants on fire when he came back from the coast in March. He had a natural hat trick in that game three win over Peoria in the finals, uh, which is when you not only have a hat trick, but it's three consecutive goals. Um, So no one for either team scored in between. And that happened in like five minutes and 45 seconds of game time, 11 minutes real time. He scored a hat trick in a championship game. So he kind of brings, you know, maybe more of that kind of star power, high producing offensive talent. But then another player that, brings just as much to the table is a player like Sean Leonard, who also played in the East coast hockey league this year for Norfolk uh, for most of the season, but he didn't even score his first pro goal. And this now is second pro season until the president's cup semifinals. So a big moment for him to score. And what he's typically doing is he's blocking more shots than anyone on the ice. He is probably the most physical and the most, uh, um I, I don't know the the right way to say it without without it coming off the wrong way but he it's a controlled rage that he plays with uh Josh and it all probably lands as many hits or, or more hits but Sean is the guy who really is you know taking after his teammates and those post whistle scrums and keeping the opponents off of his guys and you know, He's not afraid to take a, a five-minute or a 10-minute penalty, and sometimes those don't come at the right time. But sometimes they do when they fire the team up. But it kind of shows um, you know how everyone factors in from, from the physical side, from what you can bring to the table as far as maybe the points or, or, or the hits that you can land. But it's the mental side and the emotional side too, showing that you can have your guys' backs um, support each other and, and, again, having that presence of mind to not try to outdo yourself know what you're capable of, know what your best qualities are and do those to the best of your abilities. And that's really what happened for Roanoke down the stretch is everyone was fitting their role exactly the way that they should. And that's why they were able to run through the top two teams in the league. Um, I, I wouldn't say with ease, but I think a lot easier than people would have anticipated for them entering into the playoffs.
1: Very cool. Now I'm, I'm interested in, in, what makes a good broadcaster? Because I know listening to football, uh, you know, things like NASCAR basketball, everybody sounds different, but everybody's energetic. You know, some people have got the voice, you know, that just, it, I mean, in a, in a lack of better terms, it, it just sounds like it's almost robotic, sort of. Uh, in, in the delivery, uh, as far as um, you know, you've got like uh, I can't remember the guy's name now. The uh, the famous ring announcer for boxing. Uh, I knew his name I about, lost it. Yeah, but
0: Bruce something. uh it's on the tip of my I think His
1: name's yeah, like Brunner or something like that. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, you you know, you got people like that that just have that voice that carries so to speak but what do you think makes a good broadcaster
0: yeah i think you know it's a little different depending on kind of you know what the game situation is and also what medium you're broadcasting through so we have a hockey tv subscription-based service uh through the league where people can pay and subscribe to watch games but not all of our fans do that. A lot of them just listen in to the free radio stream. So it when you are just broadcasting on TV, you have the visual aid. You don't have to fill as much of that time because people can see what, what's happening. They don't need you to really, you know, spoon feed every play. You can let things kind of breathe a little bit more and let them absorb what's happening. And, and sometimes the best thing you can do as a broadcaster, especially when you have that visual aid is just to be quiet, uh, knowing, those big moments, especially in the playoff run, like we just had to just shut your mouth and let the noise around the arena, the atmosphere be the broadcast, um, be the call that that you're making. Uh, Radio is a whole different beast. And I try to just act like I was always on radio throughout the season because I can see how many people are listening on our radio stream. I have no clue how many are watching on hockey TV. So I always just try to make sure I'm fair to the people that are just listening and can't see it. it, it It's a lot with hockey. They're subbing on the fly. Um, so it that is definitely a, a different challenge than what other sports bring to the table. You have the other end of the spectrum of baseball where you have to have a lot of personality to fill those that time in between pitches or pitching changes. There's a lot of downtime. Uh, basketball and football are kind of more in the middle where there's more of a tempo to it. Football, even with the no huddle, there's still enough time from – a tackle happening to the next play with the ball being snapped to kind of have that cadence basketball is kind of the same way up and down hockey is um, there's not always a rhythm to it uh, <laughs> you, that they, they you can learn or, or maybe you're in a rhythm and then you miss a change and you have no idea who just got the puck passed to them. And uh, so it, a lot of it is just trying to keep all your senses open and, um, it's almost like you got to be seeing out of the corners of your eyes and straightforward and you got your notes below you all at the same time and it can be really overwhelming it, it definitely was overwhelming to me to start the season when i was trying to kind of get back into to the groove of things and and kind of get back to to what i was used to broadcasting from back in my college days but yeah i i always just try to you know be as descriptive as possible um if if someone's not able to be there i don't want them you know, wondering did did that guy score or who made that penalty or where's the puck right now? That's always the big thing is, is knowing your locators. Um, I I think that makes a good broadcaster. If, you know, even if you can't help paint a vivid picture, you have to be able to paint some sort of image that lets fans stay informed and lets them keep up with the game. Because if not, they're going to lose interest and, you know, no one wants that to happen, whether yeah. it's for this team or for a specific sport, whatever it is. You, you always want to keep um, whoever's listening or whoever's watching um, entertained. And that definitely comes out at other times. You know, I, this year I, I wasn't used to doing it in college. I would stay a little more buttoned up. But every now and then I maybe let a little comment or a little remark out and maybe maybe show a little bit of my, my snarky side or um, – my dad would probably have a different word for uh, a two word uh, description for, (laughs) for that type of uh, comment or that I would make from time to time. And of course, you know, keep it professional, but um, yeah, I think you, you've just got to do your best to paint that picture. But also if you want people to be entertained and enthusiastic, you've got to have that passion yourself. So, you know, whether it's, you know, making those little remarks or whether it's uh, letting loose on, on a big goal call and kind of, you know, Letting it come from from your stomach instead of just out of your mouth, uh, uh, that's I think what what keeps people coming back for more. And you know, especially at this level where you know it's it, this team is still pretty new. We're we're in our fifth season. We're still trying um, to not only keep our fans that we had before we even played a game um, or since we have played a game entertained. We're we're trying to keep those people coming in. Um, you know, those fans that maybe. Didn't really know a lot about the rail yard dogs until they were seeing on the news the last couple of weeks, like, huh, this this team's winning a lot of games. I haven't been to a game since the express or I have no idea anything about hockey, but it looks like fun. Um, you know, you want to try to be informative and and keep them in the loop, uh, with what's happening so that that passion for them can not only be fed, but in some cases continue to grow.
1: Very cool. Yeah. And, and I can kind of see your point on, uh, being energetic, being able to be in looking in different places all at once and and trying to keep up with it because I know hockey is very, very, very fast paced. Um now when it comes to the hockey season, is there a postseason in the preseason?
0: Yeah, so for the rail yard dogs it's it's a bit tighter than it than it is for maybe like an NHL team. You know, we, we don't have a a rookie draft or something like that. We have expansion drafts when new teams come in um, and every off season at the end of the year, whether there's an expansion draft upcoming for a new team um, or if there's no expansion draft, you protect players. um, So you protect their rights essentially. So that means even if a player of ours from this past season plays in the ECHL to start the year next year, if for some reason he got sent back down, you know, you want to make sure that your top guys that, that could play for you are protected um, and that they're, you have the first right of refusal and you can bring them back and, and no one can swoop in um, on you. So that, that's kind of priority number one in the postseason as far as from the hockey operations side. Our, our head coach, Dan Bremer, is working on that list right now, um, probably making some phone calls to, you know, guys that were here at the end of the season and maybe some guys that were here earlier on in the season or, or things of that that nature and trying to kind of put together that list um to to build from there heading into next year and then you know uh, these guys are are here for the season for the most part a couple of them stay in the off season to you know get surgeries um or you know some of them you know have have moved here full time and you know they might have a a girlfriend or or something like that or or a job during the summer here that they work but most of the guys if, if they don't stay here or they're not rehabbing um working from home, they, they go back to their hometown. So whether that's British Columbia or Ontario or it's Minnesota or Ohio, New York, I mean uh, really all over the place. Uh, our our goaltender uh, was from Colorado. So a, a lot of players from a lot of different places. So they, they go home and um, just work a lot of different jobs. Some of them have remote jobs that they work during the season uh, with maybe whatever they had studied previously in college and, and putting uh, that, that degree to use remotely, if, if they can, if they're in that type of field, uh, a lot of players will go and, you know, go to their hometown and host youth camps and, and coach during the off season. That that keeps them on the ice, keeps them in shape. And it, it's also a, a cool way for them to kind of pay it forward uh, and, and give back a little bit in, in their own areas and, They'll come back about the first week of October, and it, and it moves quick. Um, it, they start up that, that first week of October. Um, it's about a week of training camp, and then you're right into the first game or first weekend of games, depending. And then you go from October until, you you know, if you make the playoffs, that starts in mid-April. And if you keep making it through the playoffs, as we've seen, we, we might not wrap up until May. And uh, the guys, you know, they lost out Tuesday. Most of them uh, that aren't staying or, or or aren't getting surgery first, at least, um, were home by you know Sunday, Monday into yesterday, uh, Tuesday, uh, at the time of this recording. So, yeah, that that off season moves really quick for the players, and then it kind of all wraps up really quickly too. for For us, you know, it, for the front office side, of course, we're still pushing season tickets uh, throughout the off season and, and trying to. Um, get people, whether it's to re up their previous packages, or maybe it's fans that have shown an interest uh, throughout the year, coming to their first couple of games on a, on a single game ticket basis. Um, They're working on that. I personally, and in a seasonal position, uh, as far as, you know, when, when there's no players here and uh, head coach Dan Bremner is trying to get some, some very much deserved time off. There's maybe not a whole lot for me to do currently. And in my uh, defined job description, so I'll I'll wrap up my work here in in the next week or two and um I'm going to go back to to bartending at a, a local restaurant here and you know once September rolls around I'll, I'll jump right back into it uh with all four limbs head down and and go go at it for, <laughs> for another seven or eight months and and hopefully it'll be just as fun as this
1: past season was. Very cool. Now I uh, I know that you can buy tickets uh, you, can you buy the tickets at uh Ticketmaster.
0: Yeah, so the way that i think is what it yeah is. the way they're sold um it's through etix which you can find the link by going to the rail yard dogs website um or at the bergland center box office in person that's for our single game tickets and um you know the other packages throughout the year whether it's you know family four packs which uh are really an awesome thing they kind of Let's people get in, you you save a couple bucks off of each ticket. We have group tickets for games. If you ever want to take, you know, the coworkers out, a church group, or maybe you just have a bunch of family in. It seems like we always have a game that either falls the night before uh, Thanksgiving or on Black Friday right after. So that's always a popular group ticket game where people are – they've been a uh, hold up with their their in-laws for 72 hours and they're like gosh let's let's get out and uh, have a couple of drinks and, and watch some hockey together and maybe you know get a little breathing room from out of a, a packed house of, of relatives um but you can find those uh through the website I- exclusively and uh the season tickets as well for for the 2022 2023 season we have two Amazing account executives, Will and Andrew, are their names. They're super helpful, super patient, um, and and they'll make sure to to work with you on on whatever it is, whether it's on you know the group tickets, the individual game type stuff, or maybe you want to look at the quarter season, half season, or full season tickets. Um, they always do a great job uh, of taking care of people. So that's if you go to the website, you find their contact info. Whether you want to call them, email them, whatever it is, they'll get you square away.
1: Very cool. Now, I know you guys are on social media. I think I found you guys on Instagram, if I remember correctly. Uh, but are you guys on Facebook as well?
0: Yeah, so Twitter and Instagram, it's just at Railyard Dogs. Um, pretty, pretty easy for that. And then for Facebook, I think it's just backslash rail yard dogs um or if you look it up it's just rail yard dogs so um doesn't say roanoke rail yard dogs in the actual official page names uh that would be the only disclaimer i would say uh to throw out there if you're like well is it it, is this roanoke or is it someone else i I don't know if there's anyone else in the whole world named the rail yard dogs so i don't think uh there's gonna be too much confusion but yeah if you want to check us out you can find us uh there on those three platforms and then we're, we're on youtube as well we post uh a lot of a lot of funny content there, as well as uh, the in-game highlights, that sort of thing.
1: Very cool. I'm definitely going to have to subscribe to that. Oh yeah. Um, and this this will actually be up on on my YouTube channel as awesome. well.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Well,
1: so <laughs> I appreciate you taking time out, and and I'm so sorry about all the technical difficulties we had. But uh, uh, it was great to talk with you, and hopefully I can come to a game and possibly meet you as well. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Thank, thank you so much for having me on and uh, for having patience with me as, as our season was just going 100 miles an hour at the end. And I definitely look forward to, to hopefully getting to meet you at a game. It, it's a great time, um, you know, and whether you're super into hockey or not, like everyone that, that takes that chance to go the first time ends up really enjoying it. I know a lot of people that um, I was friends with uh, that hadn't gone to a game before I got my job, they they started coming four or five, six times during the year because they would have a blast. So uh, I hope that, that you're able to find the same experience, and, and thank you again for having me on.
1: Definitely, definitely. Well, we'll definitely talk to you soon. I hope you have a great night. Yeah,
0: thank you, Josh. You too. Appreciate it.
1: You're welcome. Thank you.